Gather your gear. It's time to head out for our road trip across America that will scare your pants off. Along the way, with your hosts, you'll be setting up camp in some of the scariest places they can find. Discover each episode a cryptid, a haunting, and a strange encounter. Climb aboard a cryptid camper if you're brave enough. Take it away, Shay. Live from our cryptid camper, I'm Shay, and I'm here with my good friend Tom. And we'd like to thank you for joining us for Season 1, Episode 7 of Scare Your Pants Off, our American road trip. Today, we set up camp in New Mexico. How are you doing today, Tom? I am great. How are you? Yeah, really. Same old, same old. Nothing nothing super duper awesome. Um, we. Uh, how did you like the ledge? We went to the ledge a couple days ago. How did you like the ledge? So that was great. No, the ledge was fantastic. I had so much fun. Um, the first... Uh, for, the first time we actually hung out in person, I feel like I've known Shay forever. Um, we've been knowing each other for a little over a year now. Um, but yeah, it was the first time we hung out in um, person and we took a hike out to the ledge. It was beautiful. I got pictures um, it, that we can put up on the site when the site goes up. Yeah, no, I had a lot of fun. Um, yeah, beautiful day too. And I got, I got to meet Eric and her son and uh, such nice people. It was, it was, I had a great time. I, uh, I can't wait for us to hang out again. So. No, we're, we're all definitely looking forward to it too. And it was, it's funny because I I had the same feeling like um, I didn't have the anxiety that I would normally have meeting new people because I've never actually met you in real life until then, but it's, it didn't feel weird at all because I already know you and, um, but no, everybody clicked really well and it was perfect day the foliage the colors and it, ugh, it was just beautiful so i mean if anybody anybody listening is in massachusetts freetown fall river forest the ledge is an absolute must especially in the fall yeah and it and it i was surprised how easy it was to get to like i said it was like you're like yeah freetown safe I, and it was like all right bell rock road then i got the town and that's all i put into maps was i put literally put in bell rock road a sonnet was there was just like like took me to the actually took me to the parking lot that you told me about that little i was like that's so so yeah no it's a really cool place really um that was yeah good day and then yeah then after that i had to go run errands and then i told you i watched halloween with my grandmother i love that by the way can i I saw the text and I read it, but it didn't actually click with me. So then I, I responded again for a second time, like an hour later, wait a minute, just reread that. I love that you watched that with your 90 year old grandmother and she loved it. That's freaking amazing. Cause m- most people know she's, she likes horror movies, but most of the, I have a ton of, for, uh, I have a ton of cousins and everything. And most of them don't know. It's kind of like our thing that she likes horror movies. Cause she, she's like, you know, 90, like four foot 10, you know what I mean? Like I got like a million first cousins because it's just like she had a million kids and it's just, um, so yeah, uh, I mean, so yeah, she she really liked it. And uh, now I really liked it. I was like, uh, I, I thought it was good. I, I, I've seen some people not so high on it, but 
um, I thought it was excellent. I, I know one of the, so at this point, by the time we release this episode, this movie will have been out for quite a while. So if you haven't seen it, I'm just going to tell you now, spoiler alert, but um, it's it's been out for a while. So if you wanted to see it, you've probably seen it. Um, I, I think the biggest problem people really seem to have with it was the lack of Laurie Strode. She was in it, but she wasn't as pivotal as she usually is. That kind of took me back. I'm not going to lie. Like, like, cause the previews gave you, you know what I mean? Gave you an impression that it was, cause it was a lot of like her voiceover in the previews and stuff, like yeah. talking about Michael and what, you know what I mean? And like, yeah, I, I was, t- I, it didn't bother me cause I thought the rest of the movie did was, you know what I mean? And like, I actually really liked how the story played out. I thought it was kind of clever. Um, but yeah, that that did took me back. So I could see that, I guess, a lot of people because yeah. she isn't she isn't in it very much. It's, no. it's very little. But I I'm assuming she plays a big role in the in the final one. So yeah, I I would definitely assume that. But one thing one thing I noticed too is um it really felt. So do you remember the scene where the granddaughter and the boyfriend ex-boyfriend or whatever he was were in michael's house you remember that whole whole scene do you remember when she fell down the stairs and and michael the shadow the boogeyman was standing at the top of the stairs and that that whole scene her falling down the stairs that scream then the figure that was from halloween that was from 1978 halloween and it it just it gave me all sorts of goosebumps. I'm like, oh, that's Lori too. They're setting up a Lori too. And I was, I was, and I love Lori Strode, um, but they are absolutely setting her up for that. And it's, and it's funny. In the last movie, I wouldn't have liked that. But yeah. if there's going to be a baby Lori Strode somewhere, it's her and she was great. But um, in the beginning of the movie, again, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it, turn away now. The beginning of the movie, when you hear that first instant, I heard Loomis's voice. Yeah. I, you can ask Eric, my eyes were welling up. I had absolute tears forming in my eyes, a lump in my throat because, oh, and it was the way they put him in, seriously, almost in tears. And it was so beautifully done, which I know is weird to say about a horror movie, but it was just, it got me so much. All right, I, I'll stop now. <laughs> Oh, I I agree with you a hundred percent. I you know I I was I was pleasantly surprised and like yeah. So I can't wait for Halloween ends, which won't be the last one. But you know what I mean. The end of this, this whatever sto- chapter story, whatever um, in it. So um, yeah, I uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. So. All right. Well, I suppose we should go on with the episode, which is why we're here. <laughs> um, and again, thank you everybody for your patience and still listening to my big mouth talking. Um, I feel like, Tom, why don't you talk to us about whatever cryptid you picked today? Time for the cryptid. All right. So today I, I went for one and it might be a stretch to you or some people, Um because I, I could have picked from the Thunderbird, the Bigfoot, the Chupacabra, um, or even another one that could go either way, La Llorona. Um, you know, it could be a haunt. Some people, some people could, you know, um, 
you know, maybe identify uh, as a cryptid. Uh, but I went with the Skinwalker. So I'm sure you're familiar with Skinwalkers. I am. I am super excited to hear. I love this. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm giddy. Go on. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm so. I'm so here for it. So, uh, Skinwalker is a type of powerful but very harmful witch in uh, Navajo folklore. It has the ability to turn into, possess, or disguise themselves as an animal. Um, they also have the ability to um, take over the, the body of a human um, if that human locks eyes, where they can control the human uh, if the human locks eyes with them. Um, but most commonly, they'll turn into, like I said, coyotes, wolves, foxes, crows, or owls are usually the form that they take. Like I said, it, from Navajo folklore, um, where this witch is called a Yi Nal Delushi, which I know I crucified, it's Navajo, which I know is a, a really hard language, I, um, the, uh, that movie, Skin, Skin Talkers. So, uh, but it tr uh, tra loosely translates to, with it, he goes on all fours because, you know, they, turn into animals, most commonly. They're considered to be very dangerous, very volatile, very evil. Um, they're in, uh, in Navajo, they believe in magic and there's two types. There's good magic like that, uh, the, the, in that type of magic, you like medicine men or maybe elders can uh, possess that kind of magic, but this is considered more evil magic within the Navajo uh, culture. Uh, how one becomes a skinwalker is it's through, uh, they have to be initiated into the society and, of skinwalkers, and uh, it's done through a, a secret ceremony, and within that ceremony, um, they have to uh, kill a close family member, usually a sibling, and that is how they get this power. Um, so some of the other powers that they possess, they can, uh, read minds, control, uh, control people's thoughts and behaviors. They can cause disease and illness within people, uh, destroy property. Um, and sometimes they can even, um, kill people. Um, they supposedly can also, uh, control other creatures of the night without, um, actually, you know, turning into them, but kind of like control them like an army um, to do their bidding. And some even claim that they can call upon the spirits of dead and reanimate their corpses, like almost like a zombie-like. Not too much more on it, but one way you can identify a skinwalker is when they are disguised as an animal, their eyes will still look human. And then if you take a flashlight and you flash a light into their eyes, their eyes will turn red. And that's how you know that that animal is actually uh, a skinwalker. Um, if you're and just some of the things that they are known to do uh, to let kind of scare people and let them know that they're around is they'll knock on windows, they'll bang on walls, they'll you'll hear scraping like claw scraping noises on the roof. Um, you might even see eyes peering through the window staring at you. And some people have even claimed that it's just they'll like kind of materialized right in front of their car. And that's the reason they got into car accidents.
So yeah, pretty much within the Navajo culture, it's they are blamed for any of the unexpected struggles or misfortune that uh, came upon the tribe, like sickness, drought, poor crops, sudden deaths, windstorms, stuff like that, uh, death of livestock, bad fortune. But, like they kind of lay, they would blame that. It was kind of a catch-all, and that is pretty much the Skinwalker. So. Obviously, I have some bad habits of wanting my one of my favorite cryptids to kind of be tied into everything. But and and if if you don't agree with me, let me know. But I I almost feel and again I know it's very typically me, but I I almost get like a Wendigo vibe. Not all of it, not every single aspect of it, but obviously with with all lore as it changes area, it can kind of sway to that area's needs. Um, but it really feels like almost like a willing Wendigo because a Wendigo is a creature created um, of someone who has done something very bad. Mm-hmm. But these people are willingly doing something bad. So you see what I mean? Like that weird parallel almost. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm i there with you. I, I, I hadn't thought of it until you just said it. I didn't make that connection myself. But no, that's... Uh... That's a that's a great connection. And for all of you out there, she loves Wendigos. She absolutely <laughs> loves Wendigos, um, which I don't blame her. They're cool. They're really, really cool. Um, They're but very yeah, cool. I, I, I hadn't made that connection, but uh, I love it. Yeah, I'm right. That's it's uh, there's a lot there for the Skinwalker. It's like it like it's very ingrained in that Navajo culture like it's like that's why and that that was another reason i picked it because um just the story of it it, i found it to be a little more interesting than like a chupacabra or what stuff like again i'm sure we'll talk about but it's no i love it that it's it's it was it was it was an absolutely great choice it's not your average it's not your average cryptid so it's really it's perfect now you now do you think you can classify as a cryptid or was i way off i'm trying to (sighs) No, see, I I would I would classify it as a cryptid because it's, yeah, I I would because it I, I, again I think it fits in with a Wendigo. I think it fits in with, yeah, really a lot of different cryptids. And like I said, just because of the area, it'll sway it'll sway what it is just a little bit. But I mean, it it no, it screams cryptid. I love it. It's perfect because you had talked about um, La Llorona being part of my pronunciation. Uh, being one of the ones that you might have picked, but it's funny because that's also one of the ones that I almost picked for my haunting, and I didn't because I'm like, well, maybe he's gonna pick that first cryptid. I don't know. So, you know. yeah, that's another one. Like I said, that can kind of go either way, and like I, 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 I can go with you either way on it too. Like if somebody was like, yeah, no, it's a cryptid, I'd be like, yeah, no, I agree. And if somebody says it's a haunt, I, I, I agree too. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, I, I think I think certain things, and I think that like the definitions of things kind of expands as we start to you know experience these more uh new things so absolutely all right well i'm super excited to talk about my haunting so if you're okay with it i'm gonna dive right in please please i'm excited time for the hunt i had a really hard time picking my haunting for new mexico and it's not for lack of it's you can't you can't google new mexico and not see a million things it's yeah absolutely it's amazing yeah and i actually started researching one thing and then i started researching another thing and then another thing and then i stumbled across what i picked for today uh today i'm actually going to talk about dawson new mexico it's a ghost town if you were yeah 
if you were to go there today, all that you would see would be the Dawson Cemetery. That's it. That's all that's left of an entire town. Wow. Now, um, did you have you seen any pictures of what the uh, like? Is there old buildings that are just uninhabited, or is there just nothing and it's just a cemetery? It's all I saw was the cemetery. That's wow. that's literally it. Yeah. It's not so, even like a ghost town. It's just like just wow. That's it's just an area. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty creepy. Um. So in 1901, Dawson opened a coal mine. And a railroad was built, and that birthed the town of Dawson. In 1906, the Phelps Dodge Company purchased the mine and ramped up its productivity. This is a huge step. This is absolutely this absolutely put Dawson on the map. With this would come a lot of prosperity for the town of Dawson. It would soon have hotels, theaters, modern homes, hospitals, and passive amenities like golf courses, baseball fields, it even had its own newspaper, which for back then, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so life in Dawson was essentially a dream. Uh, its high school sports teams even ended up becoming amongst the top rank in their region. They were really the place to be. And then, October 22nd of 1913 rolled around. A catastrophic explosions occurred in the mine. Yeah. These explosions would kill 263 miners and two rescuers. This this number is huge and that's, I can't, it's catastrophic and it's huge, but what's absolutely amazing to me though, kind of coupled with the tragedy though is 500 people escaped 500 wow 500 can you imagine the size of this mine to have 700 some odd people under there 700 i wrote down the numbers as you were saying them so approximately 765 people that seems humongous to me i'm not i'm not a miner i don't claim to be a miner um but I mean, this is the 1900s, so it's not a bunch of old-timey guys with just a pickaxe, I'm assuming. You know what I mean? They're probably using explosives, stuff like that. So, I mean, that's got to be a pretty big mine. And plus, that company came in to buy it, you know? So, um, Mm -hmm. it's got... got, So, wow. So, obviously, the impact of this was devastating for the surrounding area and especially the victims' families. This was not the end of Dawson, though. The mine would repair what they could, and continued production. Less than a decade would pass, and with the memory in its hearts, uh, the darkest days seemed to be behind Dawson. However, this veil of light and security would be torn away when yet another mine explosion would happen, this time killing 120 people. Oh. Oh. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's absolutely... It's tragic and very awful and just, I can't even imagine. Was this the end of Dawson? No. It would go on nearly 30 more years until the mine was shut down in 1950. The Phelps Dodge Company would sell the entire town piece by piece to be brought to other locations and live a new life. Standing now in this once vibrant community stead is Dawson Cemetery. 
Buried here are many of Dawson's former residents. And you will also find hundreds, hundreds of white crosses memorializing the hundreds of victims of the gruesome mining, gruesome mining disasters. Absolutely wow. amazing. I the story just grabbed me and it was that is wow. I mean, and just for us, like, there's you, you, like you said, it had to be a bustling city, you know, it was a bustling or maybe not city, but it was a bustling area, town, you know, whatever. I mean, you said their high school for a high school to be whatever, you know, like that. It's it's got to be a big town and nothing there now, too, and just. Wow. Yeah. The tragedy of it. I mean, it's a lot of so, people. <laughs> yeah, no, it really, it, it is. It's, it's insane. Um, as you can imagine, it's very haunted. Lots of claims, uh, disembodied chattering, panicked chattering, obviously, uh, screaming, crying, shadowy figures, uh, full apparitions, partial apparitions, uh, just all around sense of, and feeling of dread and sadness and sorrow and everything like that. But one of the claims, and it's not a very common one, one of the claims that absolutely just it crushes me, it gives me goosebumps. Um, there's thought to be, you're thought to be able to see uh, shadow-esque figures of what appears to be widows falling to their knees. Oh, yeah, that hits you in the guts. Oh. Wow. I mean, totally makes sense why the place would be active. I mean, that amount of death in this mine. Um, so going back to the first explosion, because I don't, I don't, I don't think we had a number like, like on the second explosion, we know 120 died. Do we know how many survived? Uh, I, I, I don't know. But on that first one, 500. Um, and again, I, I, I don't know too like, I don't claim to be an expert on this, uh, on what I'm about to say, but uh, Tommy knockers. Uh, I'm so glad you said that. Cause so first I couldn't find a number of survivors. I looked and it's, it's yeah. nothing. I love that you said Tommy knockers because especially when you go, like you said, you go back to that first explosion and catastrophic 263 people lost their life. That is awful. Yeah. But 500 people survived that somehow. And, and for anybody who doesn't know, a, a, a Tommy knocker is a cryptid um, that actually will bang on the walls of the mine to warn the miners of a of a pending collapse or a pending catastrophe. I mean, could that possibly have had something to do with the survival of the 500? And yeah, because and then. Cause you get to think about uh, 500 survived and then that mine stayed open for a long time afterwards. So people were willing to go back in that mine, you know? So um, for me, like if I'm in that mine and I'm one of the survivors, but maybe my husband or my, my wife or my kids or whatever died was uh, in the, one of the 263, you know, or maybe it was one of the rescuers, you know, it's 265. Um, I don't think I'd be going back in unless maybe, maybe there was something with the Tommy knocker coming and, uh, you know, warning them again. I, like I said, I'm not an expert on Tommy knockers, but that's what I, yeah, they, they warn of an impending cave in or whatever. So, um, 
but yeah, I mean, totally makes sense why this play. I, I love the story because it's just, it's wild. Like, like a, it, it's just wild to think about like this bustling metropolis or whatever. Um, not even just nothing. There's just a cemetery there now, you know, and, yeah. which I'm sure is a, a pretty haunted cemetery. If I, if, if I were to venture to guess. So. I would, I would absolutely side with you, side with you on that assumption. Cause absolutely. Yeah, no, that was great. That was great. And I, yeah. Excellent choice. Yeah, I know it's, it's, it was, that was, I love that story, but um, I, I'm super excited. So you, you, you talked about the skinwalkers. We've talked about the La La Rona. We now mentioned Tommy knockers. I can't even fathom what you did for your strange encounter. I'm super excited. Time for the strange encounter. Yeah, and like like you were saying with the hauntings, it's like there was just so many to pick from. Same thing, like like New Mexico is a really cool state. It's just got a lot of everything, like a lot of the paranormal and the like. I mean, but a lot of choice with cryptids, the hauntings, and a lot of choices with. Uh, strange encounters because it's just a hotbed of ufo activity between roswell and you know area 51 and uh, all that good ufo museums and just it's uh, so but i decided and this one this one was a lot of fun actually because at, like midway through i'm like yeah i'm gonna go with this because i like the story and then i'm writing my notes and i'm like and then I start realizing the parallels it has to the current season of American Horror Story. And I didn't know this story. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. So do you have you heard of Philip Schneider? It's funny. The name kind of rings a bell, but it's not really. I, I couldn't put my finger on it. Okay. So Philip Schneider, it was an explosives expert. And he claims that he was uh, contracted by the government in 1979 to help with construction of a military base under the town of Dulce, New Mexico, brought in for his expertise on explode, uh, you know, on explosives, and they were drilling as well. He claims one day while down there with the drill and um, presumably explosives, he came face to face with a seven foot gray alien. And it's pretty much what people know as gray aliens. If you're a kind of a alien buff out there, the, what they call the grays, that's pretty much he it says he came face to face with them. And that's when he realized that this was sort of no ordinary. Um, this was not an ordinary military base. This was actually a human alien military sort of research base. And it was, he came to find out that the, uh, American government made a deal with the aliens for alien technology. In return, the aliens are allowed to abduct a limited number of Americans each year. But if they don't agree, they'll go to the Russians or go to another government. Um, plus, the aliens pretty, probably pretty much wipe these guys out, I'm assuming, if they really wanted, you know, wipe us all out. But uh, so, so they had like this sort of tentative deal where they would get you know alien technology and each year or whatever so um then he claims and i'm not too sure on all the sort of time frames but i know it's all within a, a short amount of time he said he claims that he shot and killed two two of the aliens and in response an alien shot a plasma gun at him and shot off some of his fingers and he was missing fingers on his hand 
and it kind of led to this just this all-out war down below uh, in this military base where uh, 57 out of 60 uh, Americans were killed by aliens or just like just decimated only three got out and he happened to be one of them and you know yeah and (laughs) so and there's not too much more like i don't have too much more to this story people debunked whether or not uh there's a base under there nobody has you know uh people said they can't tell one way or another if there's actually a base under there so it's not been conclusively debunked um they have picked up weird electromagnetic fields uh, um and just sort of weird activity in that area um as well as cattle mutilations and stuff like that um so yeah that is pretty much the story of that i have of philip schneider there's more to it he has a whole book and there's a bunch more but that's pretty much it so okay i have i have to ask a couple questions because i feel like in my head i just had something click but i want to make sure that i'm not i'm not too i'm not too far-fetched for our for our strange encounter but um how so he built the mine or found the mine how long uh, around when did did people start thinking that there was supposedly a mine under there? I'm uh, not a mine. I'm sorry. I'm uh, a base under there. Oh, a base. Oh, okay. So, so he claims it was 1979, but in other articles and research that I did around sort of around this, cause I, I wanted to get more to the story. And again, he does have a book. Um, but it, it's, uh, I heard rumors of as early as the 1930s, I believe, was that, uh, that P, that rumor or people had said that maybe there was a military base underneath or something underneath the town of Dulce. So, okay. So I'm Googling it and it looks as though Dulce and Dawson are 260 ish miles away from each other. Okay, so not too so, far. I'm I'm gonna make a leap here and and, and let me know if you're gonna jump with me because it's okay. I know it's far fetched but it's it's kind of in my head. Okay. So, the second explosion happened in the twenties, in Dawson. Now, if people are claiming um, to believe that there's this underground base in Dulce, um as early as the 1930s, that would stand a reason that it had actually been built in Before. the 20s or earlier, maybe? True. So... Uh, uh, I see where you're going. I feel like explosions under the ground, especially of that magnitude, to build a base would have some seismic similarities to an earthquake. Mm-hmm. I believe uh, you can feel... Uh, a 5.5, 5, let me look, a 5.5 5 magnitude earthquake up to 300 miles away. And that's 260. Uh, okay. I All right. All so, right. I, like I said, I know it's a stretch, but I almost, two, two huge disasters in Dawson. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't help but almost feel like that's possibly connected in some way. I, I'd obviously super far-fetched. I don't mean to 
discount the lives that were lost or anything like that. It's absolutely awful and catastrophic, but no, I, I, I can't I, help or put them together. That's interesting. I see. I didn't see. And it's funny after, um, you know, talking about your haunt, I, I didn't even make that connection knowing what I had coming up next, but I can see, I, 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 I can definitely see it. Um, so then, and, and maybe there's more to the story because then that, that takes away credence from Philip Schneider because he claims he was building it in 1979. So, but he also claims his, uh, and I didn't mention this though, you know, I, I, I talked about the plasma gun shooting it off, but there are claims that people said that he actually, had, they knew him back in uh, Oregon. He did it at a, yeah, one of his other jobs or something. He accidentally chopped him off. Uh, claims, I don't know how true there are, but there are claims that he, you know, when he lived in, people knew him when he lived in Oregon and he had been missing the fingers. But, or maybe uh, it was uh, a base parallel to it, you know, or something like that too. I mean, because like I said, there uh, is, is more to it. He has a book out. I mean, I'm not saying it's true. I mean, parts of it seem pretty far-fetched to me because you come seven foot alien you come face to face with a seven foot alien i don't know if i'm gonna just start like firing a human gun at an alien i mean i it's they claim that they saw um there were claims that there was maybe people in pods or you know you sort of your stereotypical what you see in alien movies now or in, like in sacks of water or stuff but uh yeah so but I like your connection a lot. I, uh, yeah. And, that, I, and that's um, why we're doing this. Cause I feel like this is, this is what I love about this. This is, I, we just, we mesh so well with this and I, I love that I can throw out a completely outrageous idea and you're like, yes, I'm here for it. And I do the same <laughs> with you. And that's totally why we're doing this. This is so much fun. Yes, I agree. And, uh, New Mexico is like I said, this, this state was a lot of fun. There's a lot to pick from here. There's just a lot of activity in New Mexico um just yeah real fun state to talk about nope this has absolutely been i yeah no it's been awesome i'm absolutely loving it and yeah i don't i don't know great episode um you got anything else for me today tom no that's all i got for today all right folks thank you for joining us join us next week when we set up camp in maine until then Happy camping. Bye. Thanks, guys. As always, our hosts would like to thank you for joining. If you enjoyed the program, please be sure to like, follow, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Find us on Instagram at ScareYourPantsOffPod, no spaces, or on Twitter, ScareYourPantsOffPodcast. Or send us an email with questions, comments, and fan art to scare your pants off nine at gmail see you next time <laughs>